Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether you're looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to episode five of the EQ Elevator podcast. We use the framework of emotional intelligence to discuss the day-to-day leadership challenges that leaders in the STEM industry face. Even if you're not in the STEM industry and you would like to subscribe and tune in, you'll have, I'm sure, a lot of key takeaways. But I always use case studies and specific examples from the STEM industry. In episode four, if you haven't listened to it, I recommend. I explained the, the general framework that we're going to use. And today we're going to discuss challenge from a CEO in the manufacturing industry. So I'm going to keep it general. So several types of CEOs of different sizes of companies can resonate because we're going to focus on the stress factor. Now, before I dive into it, I always have this disclaimer. Stress in itself is not a bad thing. We have to differentiate between acute stress and chronic stress. It's the chronic, the long-term stress that really impacts our ability, leadership ability to stay energized, to stay focused for a longer period of time and to gain the resilience and the strength and the energy without compromising on their well-being to manage this fast-paced changing environment. The only thing that's constant is change. And what I focus on mostly is the invisible stress that comes from all our invisible fears. And I'm not a nutritional expert or I'm not a physical expert. I myself need a physical sports teacher to get me going. More often than not, I'm trying my best. But that is all important part of managing stress. How you sleep, sleep cycle, what you eat and exercise. So... If you are not already diving into those areas, I highly recommend you do so and seek out the right expertise to support you with that, if you wish. But here it's more about the invisible stress that comes with the emotional toll. Today we're going to look at the CEO of a manufacturing industry. So once we reduce the unknown and we increase our knowledge, what is invisible, what becomes visible, it decreases the fear. And when the fear is decreased, our stress response to the fear is also decreased. So we are depleting less energy and we feel less stress in the sense that 
We're not carrying around all this invisible stress for so long. This is why tackling our fears, even if we're not aware of them, is so important. Otherwise, in the back of our mind, it keeps draining us. And this EQ elevator approach that I designed is a really useful tool to do it in a safe space, to do it also in a way that doesn't feel so invasive. If you're ever interested in doing a personal one-on-one EQ elevator session, I also offer those to my customers and the link for more information of the book is down below in the description box. So what are the typical general stressors that CEOs face in the manufacturing industry specifically? One of the biggest one is supply chain disruption, especially now with the digitalization process, the automation, the need for staying relevant and innovative in this industry. It's increasingly complex to manage third parties, to manage the delivery of the spare parts or the different tools and parts that are needed, especially after the pandemic. If that was not already a huge disruptor, then Ukraine and Russia, which also adds to the complexity because especially when we look at the automotive industry, spare parts, huge waiting times, customers dissatisfied. The way we produce cars, the way it's linked to climate change is also putting pressure on the automotive industry. If you look at the defense industry base, the the geopolitical developments, the cyber warfare, both sponsored by state actors, but also non-state actors, which makes it even more complicated, is putting a lot of pressure externally on these companies. And you as a CEO, you may not be aware in detail, or you may not be even aware that these factors are stressing you in the back of your mind. So listing the main stressors for you, specific to your company, and how they affect you is really important. Talent management, skilled workforce is another one. Some industries, especially in the tech industry, but in the manufacturing industry, may be coming. I haven't uh, seen it in the news yet, but there are many layoffs. So there's dichotomy going on because on one hand, there is an enormous amount of vacancies available. Now, I don't have the statistics at hand because I'm always very careful with statistics. They even have marketing principles to use statistics to get people to pay attention more. But we have to be very careful with statistics. The statistics is important, but they're not conclusive, right? And we need to look at the statistics not to make any definitive conclusions in a general way. How do they apply to you specifically? So there there is a big gap when it comes to vacancies in STEM, and especially when it comes to attracting the right skill set and talent, in this case in the manufacturing industry. And at the same time, digitalization processes, digital transformation is something, is a journey that companies have been doing for many years now. We like to call it digital transformation as if it's something new. It's not. It's just how are we keeping up with the new technologies and how efficiently and effectively are the people using the technologies so we don't reduce human potential at the same time as the technology right increases. You need the human in the loop, but how that looks like and is different for different companies. Then there is the issue of reskilling and upskilling, especially if you're introducing new technology systems. 
How are you going to get people to actually use the system for its purposes? Imagine you buy a car. Let's take myself as an example. When I ordered, this was already a few years ago, now more than a few years ago, eight years ago maybe? Ten years ago, because I was pregnant with my son. That's a good statistical reference there. <laughs> and ten years ago, and I bought, I ordered a BMW X3. And at that time, I ordered a lot of gadgets and, and accessories and a lot of additional stuff perhaps that I didn't need. But when I got the car, I only used 15% of it. I, I didn't use over 27 maths, Nadia. Not only do I do not speak correct English from time to time, I also cannot count. So if I ever make a mathematical statistical reference, please verify. <laughs> but I didn't use 80% minimum of my car's potential. And this is often what happens when we introduce technology, when we introduce digitalization systems, not everyone is using it to its full potential, which impacts productivity. To uncover the invisible stress, reduce the stress, and have a higher quality of life. At the end of the day, uh, it's important to, to step in our leadership and to manage all these complexities. But we cannot forget that even the CEO is a human being and deserves to have a higher quality of life. They are at the spotlight often as bad leaders when something goes wrong. And we are easy or quick to point fingers, but we need to create more understanding before we blame. The media does this a lot, unfortunately, or people love sensations. So when we come with these words, toxic leadership, which I'm not saying there are not, I have experienced it myself over and over again. Still, I am an optimist. I believe that love prevails over fear, but we need pragmatism. We need to, to get off the surface and, and get to the root cause so we can flip the script and elevate leadership. The first is about your self-perception. And self-perception is how we self-regard, how we view ourselves in both of our positive and negative qualities. Self-actualization is about our potential, how fulfilled do we feel in our potential and, and, and ambition, our personal development, and emotional self-awareness. How well are we equipped to identify and label our emotions. All three are important, but especially self-regard and emotional self-awareness. Because with all these fast-paced changes or, without, or many changes out of your control, your self-regard is impacted. And you need to be frank with yourself. Do I feel capable in navigating these challenges? Now, the answer should actually be no in the beginning, because when, especially when we have novel risks, when we have new stressors, or when we have new changes that a lot of CEOs in your position don't have experience with, or perhaps don't know how to deal with, is normal. And you need to cultivate those resources, emotional resources as well, but mental resources, to do with it. And I'm not talking about doing another seminar or an, another consultancy. <laughs> And I'm talking about is saying, okay, I don't have perhaps the skill set needed to deal with these specific challenges on an emotional intelligence level. Perhaps you have the intellect to deal with them, but how do you deal with them on an emotional intelligence level? And once you acknowledge that, then you can say, okay, how can I increase my emotional intelligence skill set? And the challenges will reduce, and then the energy depletion will be less, and the stress will be less. When we don't have the necessary skill set, to deal with a specific challenge, it feels, we feel more stress. 
because there is this invisible underlying fear. And you can do this by yourself or you can do this with a, a coach, a trainer that is specialized in emotional intelligence or mindset. It gives you the safe space and helps you move, move up at the emotional scale. And the other challenge, especially in the customers that I work with, uh, the majority is actually men, and the emotional self-awareness is no, because uh, in my case, my, my customer base have been very much trained, right, STEM, in uh, rational thinking, in technical thinking, analytical skills, rational part of the brain, not so much emotive part of the brain. So they tend to use the rational part of the brain to rationalize or to analyze the emotional side, which they don't have a vocabulary for. So I help them with the vocabulary and becoming comfortable in labeling and identifying because once they do that, the unknown becomes known and the fear decreases in intensity, which results in a decreased state of stress. So self-perception is really key. Then you have the second floor and the second floor is more about the other or other people. Now, in this case, I don't have a specific example, but uh, big stressors for many CEOs are their relationship with stakeholders, with shareholders and with customers. If you are facing the complexity or if you're facing a challenge with your stakeholders, whether it's your board of directors, your shareholders, the customers, my voice is reducing in intensity. Maybe that's a sign of the universe. Where was I? Yes, then if you have a challenge with your stakeholders, then it's important to look at things from their map of the world. And here it's really key to remember not you're not shifting your mindset because you're justifying their behavior. You're shifting your mindset so you bring more clarity in the situation. You make the unknown known and it will help you again reduce fear. So don't forget about it. the price is to reduce fear so you can reduce the risk of suffering chronic stress levels. In the subsequent episode, I will have a specific uh, example because I have a specific challenge submitted by a, a C-suite anonymously, which I'm going to go deeper in what kind of reflection prompts or key questions you can ask yourself. Then the third floor is really key in this situation because we see the world not necessarily as it is, but as we are. Now, what do I mean with that? I mean that our mood influences and shapes the way we see the world. And our mood is influenced not only by our thought process, but also by our physical energy. If you had a few nights of bad sleep, your energy levels, your body has an energy deficit and that your brain, the interceptor system of the brain, and this is not me making this up, this is researched by a neuroscientist, and one of them is Lisa Feldman Barrett, and she has many videos and resources about this, where she also talks about emotional intelligence, what it is and what it's not. But one big misconception is that emotions are just surface. We can go into a lot of granularity. There's a whole science behind it. And one of the challenges is when our body experiences energy deficit, it starts to, to, it has to translate those sensations. What does it mean? Now, if we are not aware that we're feeling angry or we're feeling tired or we're feeling a bit lethargic, lethargic, is it English? A general feeling of negative emotion is because of the bad lights of sleep. So we need more energy. If we are unaware of that, we tend to make up 
close the gap in our mind. They make up stories. It must be person A, B, C, D. It must be myself, what I did wrong or what I should have done. So we try to use our external environment, past experience to rationalize the body energy that we're feeling. Well, in essence, a healthy sleep cycle can already fix a big part of the problem. Same thing with food. If we have low glucose level, for example, food, nutrition, so important. And if you're not already working with the nutrition or diving into the subject, it can be a life changer. I experienced this myself, and I also experienced it with people I work with who who changed their nutrition and who became much more conscious about what they put in their body and also how they eat. It doesn't mean that you have to become a vegan. I'm not a vegan. I apologize for all the vegans out there. My son is definitely not a vegan. <laughs> He's a carnivore, unfortunately. And unless we do have a bunny as well, so we do love animals. But point being, nutrition plays an important role as well. And when you look at it from a third perspective, so the objective perspective, you have to disassociate your mental model and also any mental model of the people you're dealing with or the people, stakeholders that are surrounding this specific challenge. And you can do this by, you have to be relaxed, so you have to be in reflection mode, not in reactive mode. And you can see yourself looking at the screen and then you can play a specific scenario, a challenging scenario that is repeating itself or perhaps one that is bothering you. Everything that bothers us causes stress and so you have to shed light on it. And then you can look at, it, look at yourself from a distance. Really emotional disassociation technique and we refer to it as well. Once you've done that, then you can pick up on subtle clues that you are not aware of, even when it comes to your body language, the way you speak, your patterns, it gives you a lot of information that can help you uh, reduce the stress. And the fourth and fifth floor can also be very important in this case, because the fourth floor helps you look at from an organizational perspective, how is the company-wide culture, processes, systems are impacting the challenges? Are they making it worse? Are they reducing it? And the key is when you first look at this, you may have been avoiding it because of the uncomfortable or the discomfort that comes with it to look at these challenges. Because the first judgment that we have is, oh, I should be doing something about it, but I don't have time to do something about it. And thus, I'm not going to do something about it or I'm going to ignore it. The problem is we can ignore it with our eyes. We can ignore it and not look at it. But in the back of the mind, it still plays over and over again, as I explained in the previous episode. So shedding light on all these different stress factors from multiple layers, the higher you go, the higher perspective you gain and the better strategies you can develop. Now, before we close out, I will give you two strategies that you can start using. And if you want to get a, a EQ elevator guide with reflection prompts and, and more detailed strategies, you can sign up and receive how you can access our EQ leadership community, where I will share uh, more in-depth material and resources for each and every episode that I do here on the EQ Elevator podcast. The first is a technique from Stephen Covey, who wrote the best-selling book, Seven Habits of Highly uh, Success Effective People. Maybe effective people also become successful in the end. <laughs> and it is to have two circles. So one circle is your circle of concern. And here you put all the risks, the stress factors that you face, 
without judgment. So it's not about putting them in and then say, oh, I should be doing something about it. That's not yet the step here. It's just putting everything in. The more you become aware of it, the less they become stored in your in the back of your mind. Remember, our mind, our brain is a processor, not a container. So we need to process things without the emotion of guilt, shame, uh, or regret. And I'll go to the second step, how you can do that. And then the other circle is circle of influence. How much control do you have of all those things? And here you can apply a very simple process. Can I do something about this? Yes. Okay. Move it to circle of control. Can I do something about this? No. Leave it there for now. And then you look at all the things you've put in your circle of control. And now you can do a proper risk assessment strategy for yourself, a personal one. And write down or become aware. I would recommend write down because when we write things down head and paper, it becomes, uh, it goes out of our mind in a sense. It's no longer stressing us as much because you're processing it. And then write down the steps you're going to do. And you can change your steps. That's not an issue, but at least you have to become aware. That you will notice the fear being reduced because now you're no longer having an ambiguous or idea in the back of your mind of what it could be. It has to become clear, articulate, label things. So your mind does not perceive them as dangerous all the time. The second step is you can take the EQ tool and then pick maximum three tools that you can work on. Now, in this case, the most important tools, but it will be different for different people, are self-regard, how you view yourself, and moving, from a, moving to a growth mindset and managing the emotions of discomfort that come with it. Empathy, empathy towards yourself, but also towards others. So you have a better understanding of the 360 degree view and can help you make more informed decisions that ultimately will reduce stress, not only for you, but also for your team. And then the last one is flexibility. Flexibility is how rigid we are in embracing change. And whether you have high levels of flexibilities or whether you're working with a team that has low levels of flexibilities, when we have low levels of flexibilities, adopting change, adopting, you know, implementing digital tools is, can be a nightmare because people tend to be resistant. They're familiar with what they know and how they used to do things. And when you approach change management in a way that denies this fact, change happens to us, disruption happens within us, then it's going to be a difficult journey because people are going to feel more stressed. You're going to use fear and the fear and people are going to work to address the fear and not necessarily the long-term solution of what is in the best interest of the team, of the company, the business strategy. So flexibility levels, understanding that people have lower levels of flexibility, others have higher levels of flexibility and managing change accordingly. So these three EQ tools in this specific case, again, can be different for different uh, CEOs, depending on their specific challenges, industry, and what they are looking to uh, achieve is important. So when you have first the circle of concern, circle of influence, it reduces the stress because you're increasing the unknown. And that's why it's how you increase the fear. And the second, pick maximum three EQ tools that you can work with to continue to reduce your stress levels. And if you want to do this again, one-on-one -on -one in a personalized session, I do offer one-on-one -on -one EQ elevator sessions. These are around 
one hour where you get personalized support and uh, guidance with a specific roadmap how to go about this in your particular situation. That is a, that I keep saying it. I do need a proper AI English teacher that can help me. <laughs> That's it for episode five. And I hope this was useful. Make sure you subscribe. I say this in my outro as well. So more people can discover this podcast and your support means a lot to me. It motivates me to, to show up every Tuesday and every Thursday and have you immerse in the world of emotional intelligence on a much more profound level, on a much more practical level, less fluff, more pragmatism, less blaming, more bridges. That is my intent with this podcast, to shed light and to build bridges. Of course, we, there will be bridges that are burned and not everyone is going to resonate. But the more leaders who resonate with this, the more change we can bring into the working world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.